And welcome to another episode of Take This Job and Love It, the podcast that helps you navigate the treacherous domain of the job search, much like a skier operating through the treacherous domain of a downhill slope. My name is Brian Fournette, and I am your uh, host today, Senior Associate Director in the Office of Career Strategy, and I am once again joined by my trusted and knowledgeable colleagues. I'm Stephanie Waite. I'm with the Common Good and Creative Careers team at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, Never skied a day in my life. <laughs> my name is Julie Burke. I'm a senior associate director at uh, the Office of Career Strategy. And I guess on this theme, I've been skiing since I was two. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I beat you all. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm Meredith Mira. Uh, I am an advisor with our STEM Connect team, and I mostly work with undergraduate students. Um, and I think that my mom was fearful that I would break <laughs> a leg. And so I, too hailing from the Hoosier State, which is Indiana, for those of you who don't know. Not too many slopes there. Have never skied. This is a, probably on a theme that, you know, it just started snowing in New Haven. Yeah. So maybe this is kind of where we're... It's where, it's where, it's where we are. Where yeah. our brains are. We're yeah. In the mode. Yes. Uh, so today we are uh, once again going back to the concept of uh, professional experience or how to develop experience in general into that of professional experience and how to reflect on it appropriately so it, it can become what we want it to be. We're going to will it to be relevant today. Yes. Um, again, always sort of a meaty topic. You know, there's always different uh, little, little nuances here in how we can um, tackle this issue. But I thought today we could talk about uh, the versatility of experience, uh, but also seeking out needed experiences and then lastly, sort of comes along with all of that is how to avoid imposter syndrome. Mm. So if we're going to go through all this work to develop these experiences, but then we deem them uh, less than, right. we're not really helping ourselves, are we? Right. And so the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. element, I think, is ever pervasive and always there. Um, so maybe that's a good place to kind of address that, that elephant in the room. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I hear from students that they'll go after these kind of coveted internships or uh, maybe they have, you know, like a work-study experience that they're doing while they're in college. And then they'll say, I don't know, I don't really do that much. Or it's, it really wasn't that as, you know, as robust or they probably don't use the word robust. Um, what is student speak? Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, perhaps it wasn't exactly, you know, what they had thought it was going to be. Or upon reflecting on it, they kind of come up, you know, shrugging their shoulders saying, oh, you know, I didn't really do that much. And, you know, we, of course, on the other side of the table often look at them and go, that's probably not true. That's probably not true. So You call them a liar and tell them to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it that on the advising side of the table, how do we elicit an, uh, responses from our students to help them see the value of the experiences that they did have? Um, again, we don't, we're not trying to get students to um, lie or over-embellish anything, but we do just want them to identify some of the key elements that maybe they just can't see because they're, they're too close to it or maybe they just, you know, they're not looking at it in the most positive light. Yeah. Sometimes I just start with, you know, some basic questions like tell me about what you did in a, a day or what you accomplished in a week. I mean, some things that are very basic, sometimes I might ask, you know, who did you work with? 
you know, who did you report to just to kind of at least elicit a little bit more information. And then often once we start talking, there is more to the exactly to your point, Stephanie, there is more to the experience than one may think. Um, but it's just kind of start just start out with basic questions for yourself. What what was my day like? Um, what did I work on? Did, did I use any specific tools to work on a specific project? You know, it, it can start very small, but then it can expand into some more accomplishment statements. Yeah. And I think the, the benefit of us in our position is that we get to see lots and lots and lots of students who have mm. come back from internship experiences uh, or, you know, having had previous jobs. Um, and so we know uh, what others have experienced, and we know that um, a lot of internships don't live up to the expectation you may have set for it, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that there wasn't something great that came out of it. However, the students sit down in front of us, and they think that everybody else had a great experience, right. a better experience. This is sort of you know getting at the what do we mean here by imposter syndrome, where you think everybody else has had something better and more significant than you have. And it's hard to not feel that way sometimes because uh, you don't hear about all of these other people's experiences. Um, you're not necessarily talking to your friends and what what do you think you got out of your internship this right. summer? Right? right. That's not the topic of conversation over, you know, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think one of the things we're here to tell you is that, um, you know, it, it takes a lot to pull out those nuggets from your experiences and everybody else is doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, in working with uh, PhD students and postdocs in particular, um, I see sort of a different uh, element of this dilemma in that, A, they don't typically experience conventional internships in the way that an undergraduate would. So they're already, if they're considering, you know, their own professional development, they see themselves as already at a disadvantage because they have not had what is seen most commonly associated with a job or a career is sometimes an internship, and they just have been denied that, or they had one so long ago in their perception that it is barely relevant, if at all. Furthermore, because of the nature of their PhD, they see their experience at this institution as this like brick monolithic singular experience. Mm. I am a student. I'm a PhD student. And so they only see it as this one thing. And I've seen versions of resumes, for example, where they just list it as one singular eight-year experience and they don't break it down. And I always have to, you know, invite them to think of, you know, the research toward their dissertation as one experience, their teaching as a second experience, the colloquium in their department that they've put together that was only maybe a week's worth of work as a third experience, mm -hmm. an extracurricular as a fourth, independent research as a fifth. Well, all of a sudden, we just now have nearly half a dozen things in, a, in, one, in your time here at this institution. So A, that should help us um, be less concerned about the, the nagging imposter syndrome of like, somehow I got in here as a fluke and they're going to find me <laughs> and right. tell me to leave and I'm going to have to go politely, um, which is, again, untrue. But there's also added value to what they've achieved and accomplished through their time, however long that may have been at this particular institution and through that particular experience. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to build them up as we go through this because without that, um, again, it's, it's an existential freefall. It's the perception, the misperception, the untrue perception of this existential freefall. What are we trying to do and how do we 
finally quiet that bug that is making us think this isn't enough or this is wrong or it's it's not the right kind of experience, whatever that may, however we you know frame it. Right. Yeah. And sometimes just talking to some, I think um, if you feel that that if what we're describing sounds, if you if you identify with that description, one of the first things that you can do is just talk to a friend or an advisor about the experience, and we you will probably find that you're able to talk about it in more detail. But if you're only kind of thinking to yourself and trying to do this process alone and identifying what you did get out of that internship, um, moving past that imposter syndrome can happen and will happen if you talk to somebody else about the experience. Because then you you have to describe it to somebody else and you'll find all these different action verbs that you might not have thought about, um, which are, are, you know, part of an accomplishment statement, you'll find that in trying to describe what you've done, you will realize that it was um, more robust and engaging than maybe at the very end of the the summer you might have thought of otherwise. Yeah, I think about, uh, this comes up often in our office suite, we have about seven student workers that cover our front desk, and they'll come and see us and get advice on resume writing or how to talk about experiences and things like that. And um, they'll say, oh, well, you know, I I greet students who come in for appointments as part of their job is working at the front desk. And we're like, great, you know, that's one element of what you do. And through conversation, we're able to actually elicit, elicit some of the more <coughs> um, specific elements of what makes them uh, more of an attractive candidate, which might be things like things that we know. They're entrusted with confidential information. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. are serving as the um, front-facing person, so there's a lot of customer service that's uh, part of that role. Um, They also are given same-day projects, so they have to um, navigate and deliver on on things on very short notice. You know, these are these are key elements that are very much transferable to a lot of different um, types of uh, positions. So in reflecting mm-hmm. on that kind of experience, helping them see the larger picture of what it is that they're actually entrusted with. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you mentioned th- the phrase through conversation. So if you, again, it just, I you know, I think that is a better clarification to my point that if you are just thinking about it alone, you may be stuck in this imposter syndrome. Right. But if right. you're starting to talk to it, not necessarily with your with your peers, because I think, as you said, Stephanie, that's kind of a weird lunch conversation. <laughs> but if you're talking about it with an advisor and kind of digging a little bit more into um, the descriptors for what you're doing, you will find that the experience you've had, whether, you know, at whatever past experience you've had, there is more to it than you're probably thinking. And I think for, again, just keeping in mind my uh, graduate students, mm-hmm. it's also a matter of like, sometimes they're like, well, I can't talk to that mentor. The mentor that I've been paired with for the express purpose of my academic career may not be the mentor that I also want to find or utilize for mm-hmm. something different than that. Mm-hmm. Um, either because they just don't have that background or, of experience or they are, you know, maybe less than perceived to be welcoming of that. Um, and that's where it becomes, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more effort, but just trying to find either, again, uh, a peer who may be more um, welcoming to that or sort of a friend of a friend who maybe be who might be in a given industry or a profession or just somebody that has an outsider's perspective so that they can help a bring those those ideas to your attention because you are seeing them through your own contextual lens, which may have a limitation. Right. We all have our limitations. 
Um, but that also can sort of um, uh, help you avoid any of the, the, the you know, r- real or otherwise drama of that given situation. Right. right? <laughs> and I think there's also the flip side of this, which is um, maybe you've identified a skill set that you, in fact, are lacking. Um, and in, and you want to figure out ways to gain that skill set. So I hear students saying, you know, really want to do something that, um, you know, uses stronger analytic skills. Um, maybe I want to try something out that's um, in finance or I feel like everybody else around me has this skill set and I don't. Um, I have taken a coding class, but I've never done any coding. I feel like everybody has done coding and I haven't. Um, this can be a way for, you know, certainly um, in the undergraduate population, um, if I'm meeting with a first-year student or even a, a sophomore, I might start thinking about their summers or even their academic year and say, like, let's set some goals. What what skill set are you trying to gain or work on? Um, and, and it's not that that can't be the case at the graduate level. I know that sometimes internships are a little bit trickier there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could still s- ask the same question. Right. What am I working towards? What do I feel like I need more experience in? And how can I pinpoint that? And I do think a lot of people um, – have I mean, certainly some internships require you to have some previous knowledge in something, but oftentimes these internships, um, they want you to have previous knowledge in you know how to work with people or how to, and they might teach you some of these things. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part and parcel of an internship is to mm-hmm. learn these things. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think it's it's again, yeah, the basics of like project management is what allows for you to take on that internship, which then will further develop and blossom other skill sets. But I think it's even funnier. Uh, because again, I, I work with folks at that in that the, in PhD programs who will say, "Well, all I do is you know I'm at the lab all day, or I'm in the archives all the time," and that's where the the other experiences like the colloquium, mm-hmm. or um, for a lot of folks that work in labs, they'll manage like the budget of that lab, or they'll hire, be responsible for the hiring and mentoring of undergraduates. Like those are huge responsibilities. Grant writing, right? Absolutely, and these things are are massive chunks of a still of that still uh, still related to that experience but help augment that experience to be much more powerful much more versatile mm-hmm. and given the nature of the position you want to apply for you get to kind of shine one in a brighter light than the others mm-hmm. um, and that's where uh, the true value of a given experience really begins to shine and I think as people begin to realize that their confidence, invariably will build but mm-hmm. it, it it's, a, it's about getting there yeah. and it's a lot of work to get there I think it, it's not just like oh just snap out of it like it doesn't work that way it's not that easy because man we our lives would be simpler as, as <laughs> career professionals right <laughs> just tell everyone to snap out of it I don't know <laughs> uh, but no of course because we Go ourselves because <laughs> we ourselves can't snap out of it right I think we all carry around an element of um, either uh, at its best day it's humility yeah. But on the other side, it's 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 a lack of of respect for what we've done, or this lack of of confidence in what we've done, and the fear that it may be insufficient. And so, dare we risk being too braggadocious about something, or if we're being a little kind of uh, uh, 
yeah, just just sort of arrogant about what it is we're looking to do. We don't want to go in that way. So people ref- revert to the other side of that dyad. Right. Humility, then, right. being humble, yeah. right? We want to get you to a point of accuracy. Right. Right. We don't we don't want you to be braggadocious. We don't want you to be humble, but we want you to be more accurate right. with how you're reflecting on your experiences. And to Meredith's point, where do you see um, knowledge gaps mm-hmm. or right. skills gaps? Right, because right? all of this reflection then allows you to say what next. Because if you don't do the reflection, I think we've all encountered people who are like, well, I'll just do 10 more things. And it's like, right. no, 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 please don't. Because <laughs> yeah. you probably don't need 10. Or I'll just get three more degrees. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The additional degree is a classic. Yeah, yeah. so for anyone that's also thinking about that, one, we've all been there. But second, yep. probably don't need it. But, I think uh, a future episode is going to tackle that issue too. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's, that's definitely one that, I think especially as we get into uh, the spring term, it'll pop its head a little bit more often. Yes. Keep yeah. your eye out for thinking about graduate school. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, yeah that's right. There we, yeah. there we are. Win and yeah. win not. So, so this knowledge gap, um, I want, I want, to, I want to tackle this a little bit more beyond the imposter syndrome, right? Because there's the imposter syndrome, and then there's also like legitimately you need uh, to develop skills in a certain way, right? Um, so that uh, accurate reflection and then identification of okay, which skills do I do I want to work on or need to work on, and there are some you know very tangible, easy access things that you can do. Um, I believe a system used to be called uh, Lynda.com, but now it's part of LinkedIn Learning, where you can literally watch videos and learn skills. Um, in the comfort of your own home, right? Like you can sit there in front of a computer and you can learn how to, um, you know, use pivot tables in Excel documents if that's what you need. That is the exact example I had going through my head oh, at that moment. I was, I was wow. reading your mind, Julia. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, you know, uh, learning a, a new um, a programming language, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are some things that you can easily sit there, learn about, maybe learn some concepts around leadership or teamwork or think, you know, or developing organizational skills. Um, But there's also, you know, something that's been um, a little bit more popular this past year, maybe two years, I would say, is this concept of micro-internships, right? Short-term, task-based experiences so that you're not taking a 8- to 12-week internship over the summer. Or in some cases, we work with populations who literally cannot do internships, right? Or perhaps you're in a full-time job already and you're 20 years down the road and um, you want to learn, you know, how you can build a skill outside of these um, large chunks of time. So I think I think when we say short-term internship, it also, um, it, I think because that has such a it carries so much structure with it. I think when you say the word internship, but I mean, realistically, we're just talking about like the side hustle. I mean, we're just talking about... In a gig economy. Yeah, (laughs) we're we're really talking about Mm -hmm. like a short-term project that you can work on Mm -hmm. and it usually is either relevant to whatever professional interest you have. It may be relevant to um, a skill or a hobby or just some sort of passion of yours. Mm -hmm. And that unto itself is is an experience worth discussing. And a common misconception, because, um, again, if you say the word internship, everyone's like, oh, it's official, it's fine. Right. Um, but but similarly, I mean, if, if a short-term internship is a project over the course of two weeks and you mm-hmm. do our, our XYZ approach to it, right, again, and, and you're able to identify, you know, what you did, how you did it, and what the impact was, you likely have something in your personal life that you are pursuing because you love to cook or you lo- want to learn how to uh, record your own um, songs that you, you wrote uh, during the last snowstorm, uh, or, you know, whatever type of thing that you, or, you know, a lot of folks here on campus will um, do 
either uh, mentoring as just like a sort of, you know, way of giving back, or they will, um, um, well, the word is escaping me now, but they'll like help others with their studies. and, and Tutoring. 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 Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I was just going to use other words to say that one word. <laughs> But they would do like a, they start like a tutoring business, right? Right, right? And so that unto itself, they'll be like, well, I only did that for a certain amount of time. It really wasn't a long, ex- long term experience. And long term, it does not really have. I mean, it's important, yes, but it's not universally important. Where only those experiences that are deemed long term, quote unquote. An it employer isn't um, an employer isn't looking. Well, they didn't do that for three months. It doesn't count, right? right? That's, <laughs> exactly. that's that's not the that that that's not the approach. If right. it's a skill learned, um, uh, you know, impact made, um, that's an experience yep. and it's a skill that you've demonstrated and honed and developed. Mm-hmm. So it's not the official three-month internship, the official six-month internship. It's, um, you know, there if, if, a, if anyone listening is on an academic calendar, there are often breaks, you know, there's a break often in, in the fall, there's often a, a break between the two semesters, unless there's like a J term in January, there's often a spring break. Um, and these are all kind of pockets of time where one could do these short term micro internships, which is often like a five to 40 hour project done mm-hmm. remotely even. Right. Um, and so these are times where one could engage with these ex- additional skill sets. I mean, one could do it during their academics, but it's sure. tough. There's a lot going on. Right. And we understand that. Um, these personal projects, like you said, Brian, I think that's such a great example for anyone kind of re- doing a, like a cooking blog or, or you're, you're writing, you're managing a timeline. Um, you're probably working with some kind of, you know, um, coding maybe to, mm-hmm. you know, make it look good. I'm not sure. Yeah. But these are all projects that you can include on a resume to add those additional skills or to Meredith's point, um, practice ones you may feel that you're lacking. <coughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that one of the things that I'm seeing is that there are um, an increasing number of people interested in, I think Brian mentioned either in this episode or another one, something about product management. And product mm-hmm. management um, is... Uh, you know, for those who are unfamiliar, it's sort of mostly in tech companies kind of at the intersection of um, uh, interfacing with engineers and then the customers and sort of it's, you know, you're overseeing this product. Um, And as more and more people want to do these kinds of things, the sort of skill sets they're looking for are, have you ever run something? Have you done something entrepreneurial? Did you see lots of different aspects of this? And doing your own project however big or small, is the key or one of the keys to actually gaining those skills. The ways in which you can um, take things on in your own time and on your own projects is probably more than you would get in a more structured internship. You're going to have to, you know, if if you've created an app for something or you you had to figure out, you know, from scratch, is this something um, you had to do some market research, you had to figure out who your customer might be, you had to figure out how to create something, you had to, you know, figure out who you needed to pull in. And all of these are not only great skills, but in fact, increasingly sought after skills in a more sort of entrepreneurial driven landscape. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think trying to develop the eye to see this in ourselves tends to be the biggest hurdle, which is, again, circling back to the need to, to be comfortable in engaging with others. And, and, and it's, it can be tricky to find that right, those right individuals, where to find them, how to, how to engage with them. But most people have 
been in this situation. And they're usually empathetic to understand that like, hey, you know, I've been there too. I'd be happy to talk to you about what you've been doing and, and how it may relate to what I'm currently doing now, even though I've only been doing it for a year or two. So leveraging, especially, you know, for folks on campus or folks affiliated with the, this institution, leveraging like the Yale Career Network or, you know, the Alumni Association here at Yale, or if you're a graduate student, both this institution and your former institution, you can leverage those contacts so that if there are other individuals that you're like, well, you know, my, my current existing sort of mentors, uh, mentor relationship is not appropriate for this conversation, you can find that. But there's also nothing wrong with having multiple conversations. That's right. The more the merrier in this case, definitely. That's right. And uh, there's also um, something to note, you know, we kind of started out by talking a little bit about this imposter syndrome and how one might kind of delve into putting what you really truly did and being accurate on your resume. Um, but I wanted to tie some of these personal projects because some people are doing these really amazing, impactful personal projects. But since it's not, quote unquote, work experience or an internship, it's not it, it's not added to the resume. And it is important to add that to the resume. Absolutely. And you can work with someone to make sure that there's, um, you know, you're presenting it in the right way, in the right format, in the right section. But it's it just because you feel that you're cooking, I'm just going back to the cooking blog, skiing blog, we'll go on theme. Um, you Just because you are kind of managing whatever type of personal project you have, an online blog, for example, doesn't mean that you can't include that project on your resume to showcase different skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I want to add to that too, because sometimes I think we associate um, work experience with uh, some at some level being paid for that experience. Sure. Um, and, you know, it might be the time that you spend volunteering with an organization and helping them improve processes at that organization. You know, you work at a local soup kitchen, you realize that, you know, the line gets jammed up at certain times of the day, let's make two lines, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, allowing yourself to see your volunteer work as another way in which you are developing skill sets. Mm-hmm. And if you see an opportunity to um, help out or contribute further so that you can develop a skill set that you're lacking, to Meredith's point, absolutely. Just ask. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. someone would, would love for you to volunteer your time to um, exercise or, or to um, test out uh, different skills. Absolutely. So I think what we, you know, in, in as, we, as we come to summarize this, this uh, installment, I think the idea here is just to be aware of what imposter syndrome is, first and foremost, to understand its uh, sort of ubiquity across that we all carry with us some element of it. And I think that helps uh, make the monster a little less monstrous, right? Yeah. And, and, and then we have to address those things uh, and, and address the concerns that imposter, imposter syndrome brings out. Once we've addressed that, we can have a nice, honest look at what we've actually done with the proper uh, light shown on it, acknowledging those achievements, and try to leverage the situations we are currently in to identify ways to bridge those gaps before we go and tack three more things onto our hectic lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, think, I think that is a nice way for us to kind of keep our finger on the pulse of who we are professionally as we are developing, whether we're a first-year student uh, at Yale College or we're an eighth-year uh, PhD, who would rather be somewhere else. Um, we we have the ability to have some semblance of control over what otherwise may seem to be an uncontrollable process. So 
With that in mind, we invite you to check out a lot of the resources that we have on our website at ocs.yale.edu so you can uh, investigate a little bit more. It's open to one and all. And uh, we thank you for tuning in to this snowy episode of (laughs) Take This Job and Love It. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.